Welcome. Episode number two of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Hornet football podcast. I am Jason Ross. Thank you so much for those of you that heard our first episode. And we're back again after the Hornets got a win on the road to open up Big Sky Play and hang on to beat Idaho State. That's what we'll do today. We'll recap that, play some highlights from that. Also look ahead to the bye week, which is probably a good time for Sacramento State, not having a game this week. Then they'll be back at home against Southern Utah. Also, we'll check in with Brian Berger. He works in sports information, the media relations, and all the kind of stuff he does for all of us in the media. Uh, He's done it for years, does a great job, but I was lucky enough to work with Brian this last week. He filled in for Steve McElroy uh, as the analyst in the game in Pocatello, so Brian will join us a little bit later in the podcast as well. But thought we'd start out with looking back at last week's game, some notes and some thoughts on it. Uh, The Hornets have had some success at Holt Arena before. It had been a little while since they won on the road. I felt good about the game coming in based on the way Idaho State was playing. But after watching the Bengals games uh, leading into the Hornet game, the Hornet matchup, you realize that Idaho State is not that far off. They they had made some plays. They had been in position. The scores were a little lopsided. And I was a little bit more worried about the game than I thought I should have been going in. But now that the game has played out, obviously it was right down to the end and could have been anybody's game. But fortunately, the Hornets came out on top. So let's look back at some of the things that did happen in the game. It was a little bit of a slow start with neither team scoring early on, but then finally the Hornets figured it out and they did it with a quick series. This would be a one play drive after there was multiple punts and kind of playing the field position battle between both teams, but the Hornets would score on a nice throw and catch, but really most of the work was done by Marcus Fulcher as uh, he ends up with the first points of the game. Gable goes in motion. Dunaway fakes to him. Jake has time. He's going to look down the sideline. Wide open. It's caught. It's Fulcher. He cuts at the 20. Takes it to the outside, to the 10, to the 5. Stretches for the pylon. Touchdown. Sacramento State, a 60-yard touchdown pass to Marcus Fulcher. I question why Fulcher cut that ball inside. It looked like he had the sideline the entire way. He ends up making the right decision. He dives for the end zone, and it is his second career receiving touchdown. We saw one in 2019, and the largest, longest play from scrimmage this year for the Hornets. So, 7 nothing, Sacramento State feeling good, set the tone, get ahead of the game, make Idaho State try to figure out what they need to do to catch you. Well, one way they could do it was with special teams. Now, the Hornets' special teams' coverage, I thought this year so far in the early part, has been good on punt teams and on kickoffs. They had the blown coverage at Cal, where Cal returned the second-half kickoff all the way back for a score. So it's either kind of been an all or nothing. Well, unfortunately, here was another all situation for the home team for Idaho State. So just after the Hornets have the one-play 60-yard score, here's the ensuing kickoff. It's Hornets to kick off, and it goes right to about the goal line again, and Idaho State will return it here to the near side of the 25 to the 20. Look out. Gandy can't save the touchdown, and it's going to go unless the Hornets' Dotson can catch the return man, and they won't. 20, 10, 5, touchdown Idaho State, no flags. Second straight week, the Hornets have given up a kick for six. It's Omabeo who scores it. So now a 7-7 game. Hornets are in a spot where they're moving the ball again. They get in scoring range after getting deep into Idaho State territory, and they've worked their way down there again with the two quarterbacks, which is something we've seen through the first four weeks. We saw Asher O'Hara. We've seen Jake Dunaway in this game. Both guys are playing, and now the Hornets get deep into territory of the Bengals, and they go to a little trickery. Three big defensive linemen come in. I mean big 
shift in for Idaho State. Hornets have it second and goal. They'll place it at the seven. O'Hara stays in at the QB. Perkinson, more of the power runner, is now behind O'Hara, who works under center on second and goal. Toss sweep to the left. It's a fake end around. It's the Philly Philly special. special. Wide open is O'Hara. He caught it. Touchdown, Sacramento State. They toss sweep to Fulcher, or excuse me, to Perkinson. Then the receiver coming around the end was Triplett, a former quarterback, and he threw it, the Philly special, right back to Asher O'Hara for the touchdown. I can tell you, they've been working on this play for the last two weeks. They had it going into Cal, never a chance to use it. Triplett's the quarterback. It was an unusual, a former high school quarterback. It was an unusual lineup. You had Triplett and Parker Clayton as the only two wide receivers. Idaho State didn't recognize it, and Asher O'Hara wide open. In practice, though, Triplett's been leaving that a little bit short, and he almost left it short he there. He did there, too. But O'Hara did catch it and then scoots into the end zone. Extra point is drilled and good. Trick play, but a good drive by the Hornets. 94 yards, 12 plays. Remember the critical fourth down infraction by Idaho State. 10.07 to go in the second quarter. Hornets now lead 14-7. So the game's rolling along still in the first half. Hornets have this 14-7 lead. Idaho State has tied it at 14 apiece. And, you know, it's still anybody's game, certainly, as we're getting closer and closer to halftime. We're thinking during the broadcast, knowing that the Hornets start with the ball in the second half, what would be ideal is if Sacramento State could go get a time-consuming drive, score going into the break, have the lead, whether it's three or seven, and then get the ball back to start the second half and add on. Instead, the Hornets gave the ball back to Idaho State, not via turnover, but just didn't move the ball, gave the Bengals an opportunity and they would break the tie. Sends Amayabu in motion. Snap comes in. Play fake. Pressure coming. They're going to go big ball. Open man towards the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown. Tanner Connor. Hunter Hayes. First touchdown. The freshman comes in and puts the Bengals ahead. 33-yard throw and catch the deep ball, exposing the Hornets secondary again. Yeah, Sacramento State opted to bring the pressure. And it was picked up nicely by Idaho State. It created a one-on-one opportunity on the far sideline, and the ball dropped in perfectly by Hayes and Sacramento State trailing now for the first time today. So that reason for concern I had before the game felt validated at the time. At the half, Hornets are down 21-14. They've had more yards at the time, but the big kick return was a big difference maker at, the, at that moment. And so Sacramento State was still trying to figure out some things here. A couple of things that were happening as the game was going on. You've heard highlights, but here's some themes that have happened through four weeks. Penalties are still occurring for the Hornets. Third down issues, not being able to convert. Had a terrible first half, 0 for 6 in the first half, and at one point were 0 for their first eight on third down attempts. A lot of coaches will tell you the key down in football is third down, and the Hornets offensively were coming up short there. So, As I said earlier, they are going to get the ball to start the second half. So here's the Hornets on their second half drive, moving the ball effectively, uh, but stalling out ultimately and being being put into field goal range to see if they can creep a little closer. Play clock's at 17, so there's time. Sitkowski, this is going to be a 49-yard field goal to the uprights to our left, which hang from the Holt Arena. There's no stanchion to hold it up. It hangs. This would be... From 49 yards out, got plenty of distance. The kick is on the way. It's good. What a kick by Kyle Senkowski. He had plenty of room to go. Danny, that was halfway up the net. How much wiggle room did he have? It was perfect. A great kick, solid right down the middle from the very beginning. And it just great confidence and great to come back and get some points to start the second half. That Senkowski field goal was a sign of things to come for him 
and for the team, but it's important to keep the Bengals at that 21-point total. They had 21 first-half points. Now it's 21-17, and the Bengals with their best chance to add on. Remember this play. This is going to end up being a big play in the outcome of this game. And what turned it would have been a long field goal attempt into a just a 30-yarder. Yeah, it was a 19-yard pickup there. Snap will come in. Kevin Ryan's been great as a punter. Snap placed down. Hornets got a good jump on he it. Missed it I Kick think. is no good. He missed it to the right. Well, he's got quite a leg, but he missed it. So the Hornets didn't have the ball for a long time, but maybe new life on that Hornets side. And it looks like they got a bounce in their step. Timeout on the field. We'll come back. The Hornets will have the ball with 6.51 to go in the third. Idaho State 21, Sacramento State 17. The Hornets took advantage of that missed field goal, moved the ball right back down the field, and yet again stalled out in kind of that scoring range. But luckily, they've got Kyle Sinkowski. Sinkowski just hit this from this direction from 49 and had probably 10 yards to work with at least. This one's more dramatic to the right, close to the right hash mark. 27-yard attempt, maybe 26. Ball placed down, the kick on the way, and the kick is good. So the Hornets creep a little bit closer. 21-20 after the field goal made by Sinkowski, his second of the game. So now, two possessions in the second half, two scores for the Hornets. But it's 21-20. They're still down by one. They're going to need to get the ball back. Defense has kept this game at 21 so far in the second half. And the defense would get the ball back for the offense. Well, Hunter Hayes back in as the QB. Has Fredrickson and Guillory to the left side. A couple of tight ends. The lone back is Rango. Remember, Raiden Hunter left that last series. Play fake. Looking to throw downfield. Locking in. Throwing into double coverage. Can Filer come up with it? Well, it's two players have it. Filer and the receiver. Who are they going to give it to? Interception. Munchie Filer picks it off. Second week in a row. Filer comes away with the interception. That was close to a 50-50 ball. But it was Filer who held on and was able to retain possession to the ground. All right, defense sets you up. Now go attack. Go see what you could do. Can you get a touchdown on the board? Unfortunately, the Hornets could not. They moved the ball again, got past the 50, got into scoring range, but kind of stalled out. Yet again, those third down issues kept happening to Sacramento State, but they would rely on Kyle Sinkowski one more time. Here comes the field goal unit. Sinkowski will try to kick the Hornets into the lead. It's going to be a long one. This will be a 40-yarder. But again, down deep into territory, that series started at the 17-yard line, and the Hornets went backwards. 41-yarder, probably. Yep, 41-yarder. Clark will be the holder. As Sinkowski, leg won't be an issue at all. Clark actually slides forward, so this will be a 40-yarder as he goes to the 30-yard line. Ball placed down the kick on the way, and he got it. He got it. Third field goal of the half for Sinkowski, and the Hornets go ahead 23-21. Three field goals now for Sacramento State. We're in the fourth quarter. Hornets defense has kept the Bengals off the scoreboard. The offense has moved the ball. They've finished drives with three field goals, and now it's up to the defense. Can they save the day? They had already hurt the starting quarterback. The second stringer got hurt at times, came back in the game, so they played three quarterbacks. Defense was flying all over the field. They'd given up the big pass. They'd been able to get to the quarterback once, and they had the one turnover. They needed to stop the Bengals, who were getting closer and closer to scoring range. Time is winding down. The Bengals can basically win this one on a walk-off if they get in that position to hit a field goal to end it. Instead, 
the defense came up huge. 132 left. The defense looks like they're going to have to win it for the Hornets. Clock is running under 90 seconds to go. On first and 10 for Hayes. Hornets, will they bring some pressure? Nope, they drop back the coverage. Hayes to throw. Steps up, fires over the middle. Intercepted! Marte Mapu, 40, turns it upfield and keeps the ball, secures it, and he takes it to the 47-yard line of the Bengals. Marte Mapu flag. with a huge we had a, we pick. We got a flag after the play. Sorry to interrupt step on you there, Jason, but we have a late, we have a flag after the play. I believe it's going to be a dead ball foul. But that shouldn't negate the interception. It should not negate the interception. So Marte Mapu with that interception, preserving the opportunity for the Hornets, who now just need a, a first down to ice the game. So here we go. Everybody tight to the line of scrimmage. A two-point advantage for the Hornets. 109 to go after this play will be the final timeout by Idaho State. Snap comes in. Asher O'Hara has enough for a Hornet first down. Gets across the logo into Bengal territory. Idaho State will call timeout. And now Sacramento State can expire this one with a couple of kneel downs. And the irony of that, Brian, is these were the last two runs by Asher O'Hara, his best of the game. Yeah, just right up the middle, no deception, just pure QB runs. And it's going to be victory formation for Sacramento State. Well, as much of a topsy-turvy game this was, how about the defense to not give up any points in the second half? Second time this year, also happened to Dixie. Yep. O'Hara. We'll get the final snap. He will take the knee, and that's going to do it. The teams will come out and meet at the center of the field. The Hornets do win on homecoming at Idaho State. 23-21 will be your final score. Close call. Sacramento State wins it. Opening up league play with a victory, evening their record to 2-2. and And one of the stats that's absolutely amazing to me is that this team has won five consecutive Big Sky road games dating back to 2019 undefeated in road in conference then they did lose the game to cal of course had the road win earlier at uh, dixie state but just conference games i tell you as a broadcaster for this team for a long time the hornets spent a couple of seasons two or three seasons worth i'm not mistaken of not winning on the road and now the hornets have won five consecutive conference road games winning in pocatello and setting themselves for this upcoming bye week so they're off this week they'll get southern utah in a week, and as you heard in some of those highlights, I uh, had a chance to work the game this week with Brian Berger. So let's welcome Brian here into the podcast and get Brian's thoughts on, really, Brian, what did you see from this game? The close call, 23-21. What were your thoughts on how the Hornets got it done? I think mostly it was just the uh, the, the way they stepped up and made the plays and they needed to make it. Obviously, the big one came at the end with the interception from Marte Mapu, but even the offense, kind of special teams, Kyle Sinkowski got the field goals when they needed to. They seemed to keep drives alive long enough to take some time off the clock, but it was the defense that came up big in the second half. Uh, another shutout, two turnovers, and they did just enough to get a win on the road. Yeah, the defense pitching a shutout in the second half, I, I, I with you. I think that was significant, and really to preserve the, the game. Idaho State has an opportunity to go down there and win it, and Mapu with that interception – um, they're still not quite getting the amount of pressure, I bet, that Andy Thompson wants, but I thought the coverage, for the most part, was pretty good during the game. Yeah, I would agree. There was a couple of mistakes in the first half that led to some big plays. And then really going back to the pass rush, I mean, you lost some some key pass rushers from 2019, George Obina, uh, Gary and Chote being a couple of the big ones there. And they're still trying to kind of find their own. And then their depth was really tested up front this last week, a lot of injuries, and hopefully those people will be back here and uh, for the next game against Southern Utah. But 
I think he'd like to see some more pressure, but as long as you're throwing uh, zeros on the scoreboard for your opponents, I think you're doing the job. I know in the post game when uh, we had a chance to hear from from Coach Troy Taylor, he talked about Kyle Sinkowski and just really how much of a weapon he is. He's had a great season. You mentioned uh, him hitting the three second-half field goals. Earns Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week. Besides that little blip where he had a couple misses early on, he's, he's produced a lot of points for this Hornet team. Yeah, he's been their leading scorer, which is good and bad. You're always happy when your kicker can be a, a successful part of your team. I don't think any coach wants their kicker to be the leading scorer. Um, he had a fantastic camp, and they were hopeful it was going to carry over into the season, and so far it has. He had a little bit of a, of a rough day at Cal. That would seem to be a, a mechanics problem they worked out between himself and the holder. And He's been really reliable and really good so far, but you'd love to see less field goals and more touchdowns for sure. What would help is if they – I mean, again, the offense has moved. The numbers are pretty good collectively offensively, but, Brian, we're still now four games in, two quarterbacks, and I thought we saw a pretty good version of both of them at moments for – uh, Asher O'Hare and certainly Jake Dunaway, another big offensive productive day as a passer. Uh, you think we're still going to see two QBs after the bye week for the Hornets? I think so. I think they're not really ready to, to break away from the two QB uh, rotation. Coach Taylor loves the the challenge of running quarterback uh, faces for the for defenders out there, and I think you'll continue to see Asher and outrun heavy formation like you and I talked about during the game on Saturday though they, they both have to balance each other out Asher's got to become probably a little bit of a more accurate and, and better passer to offset his running ability and Jake has to avoid the sacks really he doesn't have to be an elite rusher but he's got to avoid those big sacks run game um, flashes but not enough consistency I think we saw Marcus Fulcher as more of the primary runner uh, in the game at Idaho State we know Dotson comes in the most decorated runner and Perkinson's had a really good career I'm not sure if it's an offensive line issue, a scheme. It's probably not scheme because I think the Hornets run a pretty good offense. But I wonder why the run game has been slow to get going through, uh, so far through 2021. You know, that's the big question so far, and I wish I don't think anyone really has that answer. Um, obviously, uh, Elijah Dawson is a very talented player, two-time first-team all-league selection. The only other running back in school history to do that was Charles Roberts, who was an elite player at this level. They've got to find a way to get him going. Some bright spots from Fulcher. Um, I know Perkinson uh, didn't get a whole lot of action last week, a little banged up, one of those guys that's trying to get healthy going in uh, through this bye week. But they've got to find a way to get Dotson going. And, and really, even in the passing game, he didn't have a, a lot of touches uh, or targets in that last week against Idaho State. And I know teams are trying to take him away right now, and they've been very good at it. But uh, it, it's going to be hard as, as we start going on the road late in the year in some possible tough weather situations uh, to win if you can't run the football. Bye week probably comes at a good time. They don't have a, a large volume of injuries, but enough, and some of them have been effective. We know about the offensive line with uh, what Stiefel being out for this season. Um, Hawkins kept leaving the game last week. Marshall Martin didn't even make the trip. Um, but it, it sounds like they're going to get a lot of these guys back come come after the bye week, correct? Correct. Yeah, it came at a, a really opportune time for them to get that mid that uh, bye week here after four games in and and chance to get some of these guys healthy. We talked about uh, up front, the, the defensive line was, was really plagued by some minor injuries that kept a lot of players out last week. They should be healthy. Marshall Martin, hopefully close to returning. And knock on wood, with the exception of people, they've avoided that long-term injury. Um, but it's always a, a, something you try to do throughout the season. But I think they'll have a chance to get healthy and get back to close to full strength. A couple of guys we haven't seen yet that I know were injured and that played for the Hornets, or at least one, Jarrell Anderson in the tight end position we haven't seen yet. I know he had a camp injury. And then one that I think was more significant, I don't even know if he's going to be available for the year. Is there an update on uh, Ariel Nagata, whether or not he can play? 
You know, his recovery has been absolutely unreal. So he tore his Achilles last spring, um, went through surgery. And if you saw him just watching him move around, you'd have no clue that he had Achilles surgery five months ago. He's out running around right now. I don't think he'll be back on the field anytime soon. He would love to be back. He tells you he thinks he can play right right away. But, <laughs> I mean, you compare him to other athletes, guys like Clay Thompson in the NBA who, who tore his Achilles before uh, – before Ariel did, and he's going to be out probably close to 15 months on his recovery, and Ariel's been out five right now, and so they keep come back and play. But I, I just think the medical staff and the, and the team doctors aren't willing to, to sign off on that right now. And then Jarrell, do, do the Hornets expect to have him back? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a question. I don't know. We'll see as he tries to progress. His surgery was a little bit later, and mm. um, he's had a you know a sort of knee problem, so trying to work his way through that, and, and, and hopefully he gets a chance to come back out and play at some point this year. So the Hornets have played four. Obviously, league is is of utmost importance because if you win league like the Hornets did a couple of years ago, it's an automatic berth to the postseason. We're just in the beginning here, and uh, the league is stacked. You know that, Brian. We talked about it in the broadcast on Saturday. And, you know, for example, this week has a, a huge matchup with the great defense of Montana against the amazing offense of Eastern Washington. Davis got that first breakthrough big win in the conference, beating Weber at Weber. Um, this seems to be, to me – as good as this conference maybe has ever been, is that is that too much of an overstatement? I don't think so. I think you could argue that from top to bottom, there's not that so far. There hasn't been that team that that's at the bottom of the league, and you're like, you know, that everyone uses their schedule as that easy win. And in the past, there's been a few of those. I mean, you've seen teams like Northern Arizona, who is predicted to finish towards the bottom of the league, go out and get a win at Arizona. You've seen the Pac-12 team, Northern Colorado's played well so far this year, and so I, I think really the depth is is very strong in the big sky this year. And then obviously they're very good at the top upper half and a, and a huge mar, you know, marquee game for the conference this weekend with Montana and Eastern Washington on, on uh, ESPN too. Yeah. That's why it was such a puzzle. Like I think everybody would say FCS wise, it's um, what the Missouri Valley and the big sky and the, the, just the weird third quarter this year that the Hornets had against Northern Iowa because the game's cruising right along. Felt like, okay, I can't tell who's the better team. Hornets have the lead, but it's only 9-7. And then a quarter, unlike I think I've ever seen, I know Coach Troy Taylor said it was maybe the worst he's ever seen. So that's too bad that the Hornets didn't keep up their end of the bargain, at least against a really good conference opponent like or non-conference opponent like uh, Northern Iowa. No question. You know, they had the lead at halftime. They were going toe-to-toe with, with a very good Northern Iowa team, and then the wheels just kind of fell off. And I don't care who you are, you're not going to win too many games with six turnovers, and it'd be interesting to play that game again and, and see how, how the Hornets match up. Northern Iowa is very physical, very good football team, and um, I think they'll have some success in the Missouri Valley. Uh, we'll wait and see. They haven't had a chance to really get in their league action yet. They had a bye, and um, I, I think they could be a very successful team and, and likely an FCS playoff team, and who knows, maybe there's a chance the Hornets see them again in the postseason. All right, lastly for you, I know next week we'll do a little deeper dive into Southern Utah, the Hornets' next opponent, so bye week this week. But I I know you said something during the broadcast that I think is spot on. A a lot of this based on how the big sky is laid out. We just talked about how great it is. It's who you don't play. And the Hornets, I think, on paper, have an advantageous schedule in the sense that they don't face Montana State or Weber or Eastern. But there's still plenty of other good teams with the one big power being – uh, at least on the schedule, Montana, and certainly Davis seems to be a good team. So the schedule is favorable, but that doesn't mean anything unless you go and win those games. Just a quick early thought on that matchup. Uh, finally back at home uh, next week when they get Southern Utah. 
Yeah, great to be back home. So Utah's a tough team to figure out so far. They they opened a year playing uh, San Jose State and Arizona State. And Hornets had that same duo just a few years ago, and it was very ugly for them in those two games. And it's always tough to play back-to-back games against teams from the FBS. They seem to kind of wear you down over time. And then uh, they went out and played Eastern Washington, which is no easy task either for Southern Utah after a bye. And so it's really hard to get a feel. I think you'll give a better uh, understanding of who they are after this week when they play Portland State. Um, I, I think so far they've been, they've given up a lot of points, but they've proven they can kind of hang their own offensively too, and so it's going to be a challenge. Well, it's uh, fun to have Hornet football back. It's good to see them 1-0 in conference. I think you're right. The bye week comes at the right time, and we'll see what they're able to do uh, back in action next Saturday at home against Southern Utah. Brian, thank you, and it was fun working with you last week, and look forward to seeing you again soon. Great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you to all of you out there for listening. Next week we'll set up the – Return to Hornet football after the bye week. Again, do some scoreboard watching this week, see what the rest of the conference ends up doing, how they beat each other up, and do a little scouting again in that Southern Utah game as the Thunderbirds will take on Portland State. So thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend. Let all the rest of Hornet Nation out there know that this podcast exists. Certainly reach out to me if you have any ideas and and show concepts that you want to hear on this podcast. But we thought we'd bring it back after a couple-year hiatus. So we're glad it's back. We're glad you're here listening. And thank you again. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Hornet Football Podcast.